Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, this is your host, Jim Ventura. Thanks for joining me today, whether you're catching the show live or in our uh, archives a little later on after we run. This is, um, I always appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, anyway, uh, today's show, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, uh, a little bit of background on me in case it's your first time checking into uh, Snake Oil Radio. Uh, again, I'm Jim Ventura. I am a, uh, a uh, tarot card reader, numerologist, astrologer, runestones, animal cards. I've worked with many, many, many different types of oracles for many years. In fact, I do private consultations with people uh, here in my home office in uh, Arizona as well as by phone. Uh, and uh, I've got developed quite a bit of expertise over these things over the years of having worked with them. Um, I also am an author and obviously a radio show host. I do a blog column uh, every month called Snake Oil uh, that is sent out free of charge to anyone. If you're not already getting my monthly newsletter, my Snake Oil newsletter, feel free to email me at VenturaSag or at Yahoo.com or at VenturaWords at Mac.com. All that info is uh, available on the website as well. Uh, I will actually be publishing uh, Snake Oil Volume 1 in the next two or three months as well, too. I'll have some info about that availability as well. Anyway, uh, again, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is uh, kind of a special show. Normally I do an interview show uh, this time, but I have decided to uh, actually... Uh, do kind of instructional live class on air about the tarot. Uh, many of my guests are also tarot card readers and also uh, have an interest in that. And even if you're not uh, really that familiar with the tarot at this point in your in your experience with, with working with oracles, um, this is a good show to tune into because I can give you some insight on the basics of, of working with the tarot and why it can be an excellent tool to work with. Uh, today we're actually going to begin to talk about the major arcana cards uh, in the deck, um, and I'll tell you a little bit about the way the tarot is broken down. Uh, welcome everyone. I see we've got a number of people in the uh, guest the chat room. Thank you for joining me, guys. Um, if you have any questions or comments, you'll be able to type those in. Um, in terms of taking live callers, uh, I want to cover at least half of the material before I open up the phone lines, uh, only because most of the time when people are kind of calling in live, they're usually asking for a free mini-reading, and uh, I want to stay in the flow of the subject matter that we're in today. But I will do that uh, in about 20 minutes or so. I'll open up the phone lines if you do have uh, any questions or comments to make. Um, just so for your records, the last uh, two shows each month usually are primarily for uh, for for specific questions about your personal life that you may want to ask. So uh, we usually reserve the first two shows for information for everybody. Okay, again, so thank you for uh, for joining me. And let's talk a little bit about the Tarot today. You know, one of the things I like to tell people when working with the Tarot is that if you're looking at the idea of of learning how to read an oracle, um, especially if you're new to it, just so you know, the Tarot is probably one of the more difficult oracles to learn in comparison to things like angel cards or 
uh, rune stones or animal cards or things of that nature. Uh, Tarot is a bit more complicated. Now, I don't say that to steer anyone away from learning the Tarot, because on the positive side, if you're able to learn the Tarot, you will find that you will be able to pretty much just about master any other type of oracle even quicker because of the complexity of the Tarot. So it, it does kind of have a benefit. But one of the things that I always sort of tell people is if you're interested in, in learning the Tarot or understanding the dynamic behind it, what you really, really want to be conscious of is that it is a, a very a very complicated kind of an oracle to work with, primarily just because of sheer numbers. Uh, when you look at something like runestones, there's 25 runestones. Most angel cards will have 44 cards. You know, uh, tarot, there are 78 cards in a tarot deck. So not only do you have the 78 uh, cards to learn, but then uh, all those tarot cards also have a reverse meaning. So in some respects, you're also doubling the amount of meanings that you'll find when you uh, work with the tarot. Now, so that's why it can be a little bit more of a complicated thing to learn. But again, I don't want to really dissuade anybody from from learning how to work with tarot. Uh, you know, you just have to kind of take your time with it. Don't expect that you're going to master it very, very quickly. Uh, again, because it's a complicated uh, oracle to work with, it, it can take a little while to do it. It took me years to really, really get the hang of it. Um, in, my first, in my early years of reading tarot cards, of course, I would have the instruction books that would tell you what the meanings of the cards were, and, and I'd lay out a spread, and then I'd be going back and forth to the instruction books to figure out what the meanings were. You know, Thankfully, you know, from having done literally hundreds, if not probably thousands of, of tarot readings, for myself and for other people, I have uh, really, really gotten the hang of the meaning of the cards because one of the things that you're, you're dealing with, of course, is personal application. You know, the more you see a card come up in your own spread, uh, you know, the more you begin to learn what it really means. And also the same dynamic will occur when you're working with other people and doing spreads for others that you will begin to be, get kind of a familiarity as well with these cards, just again through practical application. Now, the other thing to consider is one of the things that is absolutely a, a, a good thing for contemplation is whether you're actually learning how to use the tarot cards or not. The ability to meditate and understand the uh, major archetypal symbols in the tarot is of absolute benefit to just about anyone simply because um, these archetypal symbols that we're going to talk about today are really, really a big part of the human psyche in general. There are, are 22 major arcana cards in a tarot deck. They number from 0 to, uh, to 22. The full card is the first one, and that's usually numbered 0 in most tarot decks. And if you actually, if you have a, if you have a deck of cards and you're listening to the show, it can be of real, real benefit to follow along uh, while you're uh, listening to the show and the broadcast, because the imagery in the cards themselves often is very, very helpful in getting a feel and an understanding for what the cards are saying and what they're really, really meaning. So we'll talk again about these individually, but understand that it can be of real benefit for you as an individual or as someone who's looking to learn to understand how to read tarot, to meditate on these particular symbols and see what kind of images come to one's mind. Uh, 
it's really, really it will give you a lot of insight because these these particular major iconic cards they kind of represent this 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 energy of these larger patterns that we as human beings go through and experience along the way in our lives. At some point in anyone in everyone's life, you're going to experience different elements of these archetypal symbols, some more than others. Uh, in fact, you can get into some, some really interesting stuff when you look at your the day that you were born. Your birth date will often correlate with a specific archetypal symbol within the tarot. If you go kind of further into numerology, you'll also uh, recognize that like the birth path number that we have from our date of birth also can correlate with these particular symbols. So some of these archetypal symbols will have really a, a larger meaning for us. Uh, as we as we explore this, uh, because they'll be the more more dear to our heart, more things that we've gone through or hoped for, or wished for. Now, let me explain a little bit what an archetype is, because again, I might have some of my listeners lost here in that sense with this idea of what an archetype is. You know, uh, an archetype is a larger universal symbol. So I'll use a Turo example just right off the off the bat to get us started here. If we look at uh, the lover's card, for instance, in the tarot, I mean, even if whether you have a fair amount of intuition to begin with, if you really think about this, the lover's card kind of represents a universal archetype that all of us have tapped into. You know, at some point in our lives, we we have this the the idea and the um, the interest at some level in mating and having a partnership and having some type of a relationship and having some type of harmony and balance with the people that we we uh, choose to spend our time and our energy with. So the lover's card in its upright position represents that archetypal theme. So I wanted to mention that because that's an easy one, I think, for most people to first grasp uh, because, again, we all have that kind of that dynamic. You know, for the most part, you generally don't have the lover's card energy going on when you're three, but usually by the time you're a teenager or older, there is some part of us that seeks out this idea of finding a partner at some level. So that's what the lover's card uh, represents. And that's what an archetype is. It's something that we all share as human beings in, in, in the, uh, the dynamic, really, of, of being something that we, we strive for or that we shoot for. Now, the interesting thing about the tarot is not only does it get into these particular archetypes through the 22 uh, major archetypal symbols, but then we also have reversed examples. So, when, for instance, when a, a tarot card in a spread comes up reversed, usually it's indicating that at some level there is something off-kilter about how we're relating to that archetype. Now, sometimes people will get tarot cards and they, they keep them all, they'll, they'll never let their cards mix up enough that they ever have any reverses. I always find this amusing. I guess it kind of makes it easier at some level. But really, I think that if you get a good deck of cards, at some point you really want to mix them up because the, the, the reversed meanings really add a, a new level of flavor to your readings and your spreads and also to really understanding these archetypal symbols. Now, the, the other thing is, believe it or not, some of there's a couple of major archetypal symbols that actually are more positive in their reverse position, like the devil card or the moon card uh, are two perfect examples of, of uh, reversed archetypes that actually end up kind of being more positive from those perspectives. So again, another reason why you really want to understand the, uh, the positive and the negative elements that are within, a, uh, within these archetypal symbols. Uh, 
Okay, so again, I'm going to start to talk about these individual symbols. We'll see how many of them we can get to today. Uh, if I don't cover all of them, I'll finish the rest of them in my next show because I am here every Thursday. I want to welcome everyone who is listening live or in, in the uh, in the archives later on and say thank you for joining me. Um, I see a couple people in here. Special hello. Shout out to my good friend Barb Heineman, a fellow Sagittarian. Uh, good to see you here, if it's the same Barb Heineman, which I'm, I'm guessing it <laughs> probably is, and uh, as well as Bluesy, good to see you again, and everyone else who is, who's jumping into our room here. Okay, so let's begin with talking about these archetypes. So the first numbered archetypal symbol or major arcana card in the Tarot is the Fool card. And if you look at this card, and you've got these cards in front of you in that sense, again, different different tarot authors or, or artists are going to design different types of patternings within the um, tarot. Uh, I'm going to use the reference to the uh, Rider Waite deck, which is the most common of the decks that you'll find and probably been around the longest, uh, because symbolism is easier to spot. But, you know, if you're looking to get your own deck, if you don't have one already, you want to get an extra one, absolutely let yourself be drawn to any type of artist that you feel has done a beautiful job where it does trigger things for you psychologically, emotionally, and intuitively. But if you want to start off easy, again, the uh, the Rider weight decks are some of the easiest to find, and the imagery is very, very strong. So, okay, let's start with the Fool. So in its upright position, when we look at the Fool archetype, Really, what we're in essence getting is that there is an adrenaline feel to the fool. If you look at, you know, any time as, as, as people we begin a new endeavor or a new process or we contemplate doing something, we're contemplating the idea of taking some type of a risk. Uh, any time we do this in any, at any level, whether it's that we're going to buy a home, we're going to ask someone out, we're going to start a new job, we're going to commit to going to school, we're going to contemplate having children. I mean, anything that relates to the idea of beginning a new endeavor and contemplating the idea of taking risk is what the fool represents. The imagery in the traditional tarot will show a kind of a man walking with his trusty dog and about to step off a cliff. And he usually has a positive expression representing the enthusiasm, but the, the jumping off of the cliff, of course, isn't suggesting that he's making a bad decision. Believe it or not, the Fool card in its upright archetypal energy is actually positive. It usually means simply, again, the excitement and enthusiasm of the beginning of any new endeavor or project that we're getting ready to get into. Of course, we don't know what the outcome is going to be, but we know that we need to take the risk. We have that excitement. We have that enthusiasm. We have that energy that is, is kind of clicking around in our consciousness that it's time to change and to do something different. So the imagery, again, of the, the trusty dog, of course, is the energy of loyalty. In Druid tradition, the dog represents loyalty, and the dog is seen as a companion in our journey. And the jumping off the cliff, again, represents the idea of risk. Even the number zero from a numerology perspective represents the idea of all or nothing, or the blank piece of paper waiting to be written on. You know, the duality of, of being fearful and at the same time being excited about what we can possibly potentially manifest or create for ourselves or where a new path may take us. So these are all elements of the fool in its upright position. So you can see how, again, it really doesn't have a negative connotation. We, you know, we, we do have this, this need to take risk and to, you know, to, to move into different areas in our lives at different points. And a life without any risk at all, in essence, is no life. 
So now let's also look at this in a reverse position. If you're using your cards and it comes up reversed in a spread, there's kind of a message in that too. Again, we still have the same energy of the fool, but reversed, it kind of brings a warning in that respect uh, that the card is saying that sometimes the project, the thing that we're considering may be too foolish, where we might just be convincing ourselves something will work, even though other evidence may be telling us it won't. Or it can also be like repeating a past mistake, doing something you did before, even in the exact same way with the hope that you're going to have the same outcome uh, in that sense. So reversed, it has the, the quality of, of, of really not catching ourselves if we're possibly being foolish. Sometimes it's good to talk to a friend or a counselor or someone and get some feedback on on a new project or a new endeavor to see what other people might feel or may think about it. You know, in essence, we still have to make the decision ourselves on what we do with it, but there can be a you know a smart in in looking at whether we're kind of possibly stepping into something that may not really be in our best interest or could possibly go wrong in that sense. And that's the fool in its reverse position. It's it's ignoring internal or external signs that might be kind of suggesting this particular endeavor may not be the right thing or that maybe the timing is off or that we need to be more patient or we need to approach it from a different angle. Okay, so that's the fool. Now, the second uh, major arcana card in a, in a, in a deck of, of tarot is the magician card. Now, and, uh, some cards might call it something else, but it'll, be, it'll typically be numbered number one, uh, and it, it shows an image of a, sometimes they'll call it the alchemist. And in the traditional uh, Rider Waite deck, they show the man kind of almost hanging over the chemistry set. Now, I certainly think that both males and females can understand the, the energy of um, the magician card from different perspectives. You know, most little boys at some point got a chemistry set when they were kids, and that was a thrill of a lifetime. Certainly women and young girls may also have gotten one, or again, it can be the combination of how we put together, uh, you know, the, you know, clothes on a doll or makeup or even putting our room together in that sense. There's so many different uh, energies behind this type of a thing. But what the, the magician card, in essence, represents is it represents the practical application, the beginning of actually doing the endeavor. So the magician card, again, they call this the alchemist. We're putting things together and playing around with different options to see what kind of a result we're going to get. So it does have a similar, you see there's a little bit of a similar feel to the fool card here, but now the magician has actually taken the step. It's moved out of contemplation and into actuality where the individual is beginning to play around with these different elements to see how they are going to play. So again, we have enthusiasm and we have excitement but we have the, 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 the feel of creative energy and watching where it takes us and the process of getting excited about it and then seeing what new ideas come to us along the way. Uh, all these different, these different energies come into play when we look at the Magician card. So it has to do with the beginning of projects and then the initiation of things and, again, the excitement of actually doing it, of taking the steps and moving forward and, and contemplating creating something new. So in its reverse position, it brings up another idea. Again, we still have the same energy of excitement, enthusiasm, and the idea of using creative energy to manifest or create something. But reverse, it can suggest that 
you know, sometimes we might throw the chemicals together in a way that can blow up the lab, so to speak. Uh, sometimes we can get haphazard about our process. Um, I always think of the magician reversed as somewhat of an impatience card. Sometimes, when we're, you know, it's sort of like uh, when, you, when you think about, like when you plant crops, say you plant a garden, and you get so eager for your crops to come up that you tug on the new shoots. Uh, you know, that, that impatience process of I can't wait. Or if you go to school and a year in, you got two more years, you're already losing your marbles because you can't wait for it to end, or you just want to get to the goal. So magician's reverse position often has to do with being impatient or being pushy about the way that you're doing it or not really being comfortable with the rhythm of the process and enjoying the process for its own sake, uh, getting too eager to achieve the goal. Okay. So uh, these are two of the primary major arcana cards that we've covered so far. Now we're going to begin to uh, step into the feminine energy. Uh, the second major arcana or archetypal symbol in the tarot is the uh, high priestess. Now, again, your cards, if you have them, may kind of call this a different thing. I think most cards do call it the high priestess, but these are one of the two primary elements of feminine energy that begin to come into play uh, you know, the, the high priestess represents intuitive ability and nurturing, uh, both combined. The high priestess is the woman, is the, uh, the, the female energy of intuitiveness and psychic ability and um, sensitivity and the ability to plug into things and get a feel for where something is. And the idea of manifestation that doesn't necessarily come from a direct uh, attempted creation, but more from the idea of drawing something to you. So the, you know, even if you're a male, of course, this energy applies to you as well. You know, we all have male and female energies or characteristics that are contained within us. So the the high priestess, of course, can you know, at a practical level, in, in terms of meaning, it could mean details and pieces of life that are still unfolding. Um, it could mean uh, psychic perceptions and intuitive ability growing and evolving. Uh, it also can can have to do with the idea of nurturing something, uh, the ability to to be you know there's an association with Isis, uh, the symbolism of the nurturing uh, female even in, from the Egyptians that you see with this. Um, you'll often catch that the, the high priestess card will typically have a lot of blues in it, um, the ocean, the unconscious, the subconscious, the larger than life energies that we we find ourselves being pulled toward. Uh, you know, our intuitive uh, or psychic bodies pulling us toward an event or a circumstance or a person or a situation. Now, drawn reversed, uh, the high priestess kind of brings up issues often of ethics. Uh, the high priestess reversed can indicate being frustrated with the way other people are nurturing or doing things or not feeling like they're doing it correctly. Uh, reversed, it could mean hidden information in a negative way. Um, sometimes we send something's off but we we don't know exactly what that is. We're shut down. We get the feeling something's off kilter, but we can't put our finger on what it is. Uh, sometimes things make us uncomfortable. I always remember, I'll throw in a little story here. I One of my uncles, when I was a kid, um, was uh, definitely not the most functioning human being on the planet. Uh, he was a postman, and I'm not putting you down postman <laughs> by any means. This, he was just a weird, what I call infant soul character. And, um, you know, I always got uncomfortable as a child when I was around him. There was something that was weird about him 
I think he had some weird sexual, you know, uh, issues going on. I know even when he was in his 40s, he always had posters of, like, young supermodels all over his house. And he would talk about how he would marry Brooke Shields one day. It was always something a little on the weird off-kilter side. So it always sort of struck me as something was out of balance in that sense. And that, that's a good example in that way of the high priestess reverse. It can trigger that part of us that's uncomfortable with the way other people are, circumstances or situations, where sometimes we'll get that ethical claw in our side, so to speak, that sense of being bothered by the, the pattern or the situation or the energy. Um, and again, at a very practical level, it could mean that, that sometimes we can't see where things are going, and we could be frustrated by that. We can't get a sense of clear vision. Okay, the next feminine card that we see in the archetypal symbols is the third card, which is the Empress. Again, your cards may call it something else, but uh, typically the Empress has to do with feminine energy in terms of abundance, the idea of feminine energy representing abundance. You know, uh, this card showing up in a female spread often can indicate fertility in the most literal sense of the word. Um, and, and typically it represents this, this energy, this process of when we, when we plant seeds and they begin to sprout results, um, there's an association with, with feminine, feminine abundance this way. There, you know, there are women that sometimes have this empress energy about them. They're often larger than life. Uh, sometimes literally physically larger than life, but they, they, you know they 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 often have an abundant sense of happiness and joy at being a female and understanding the idea of of beauty and grace and charm and fertility and abundance and kindness and generosity. These are the, all the elements that we see with the Empress energy at its strongest. The idea that you're not drawing from a a place of of lack that you're drawing from a place of abundance is what the, uh, em the uh, energy of the empress represents. In fact, in Druid cultures, they have more of a perception of God being like more feminine, even though it's masculine and feminine, of course, but their perception of it is more, is more feminine, so they refer to God often as a goddess. So this kind of uh, en uh, empress energy represents that energy of the goddess, that abundant feminine vitality, and that ability to to believe that you you can have abundance, that you are you know fertile, that you can gain results in a prosperous kind of a way. It also can have to do with nurturing, but again, in a more mm, kind of in a more abundant type of a style in a way than necessarily the high priestess, which is more intuitive. The uh, empress is more about the idea of tangible abundance at some levels. So again, uh, you can see the archetypal symbols that these apply to all of us at times. There's times when we feel abundant, when we feel generous, when we feel the ability to be larger than life and to be able to give you know, freely because we know that there's a source of supply that will continue to come our way in that sense, uh, that we're not cut off from the stream of abundance. That's what the en Empress uh, energy represents within us as an archetype. Reversed, you know, it, it usually brings up the idea that there is some type of um, sense of, you know, like when you when you throw seeds on bad ground and they don't sprout results, um, the Empress Reverse can have to do with uh, a feeling of a lack of growth somehow or giving until it hurts, like giving away, uh, you know, when you're giving to in a way where it's not coming back to you in some type of balanced, harmonious way. 
Uh, it can also have to do with this sometimes with greed or the part of us that gets into fear about if we give too much, will it be replaced? So the Empress reversed can often indicate um, infertility uh, or, again, uh, issues with, with that sense of abundance and whether we have a comfort with it. Um, you know, sometimes I'll see this card come up in people's spreads and when it comes up reversed, and I think, you know, sometimes they were taught that feminine energy is bad somehow or not as, as important as male energy, uh, which, of course, is entirely untrue. They're just absolute equal commodities in a, in a different form of expression. But sometimes people are taught that if, you, if you're abundant, if you're larger than life, if you're big, somehow that's bad. So another way of putting this is reversed. It can have to do with difficulties receiving. So anytime, you know, this is why it, it can really be a good thing to when you're, when you're meditating on the different tarot symbolism to look at both the positive and the negative. Because by meditating on the negative doesn't mean you're bringing the negative to you. You're contemplating where these limitations may exist within your consciousness and what you may need to shift. And these can really come up nicely if you work in your own tarot spreads or you go to a tarot reader who understands how to, how to talk to you about these things. And uh, certainly, again, even if you don't use it as a spread and you do it as a meditation, this is a very positive element to consider. Okay, now we step into a little bit more of the male energy. The fourth card in the uh, archetypal symbolism of the tarot is the emperor. And you'll often see kind of really practical colors and imagery. The number four is associated with grounding and practicality and hard work. You know, the Emperor card represents the practical ability to accomplish a task. The masculine energy used at its best, the ability to do what's necessary, to focus on practicality, to accomplish a task or a goal. In its upper position, it often means, you know, actually getting something done, feeling like you've accomplished something, using pragmatic ability, using practicality, hard work, uh, but with a sense of joy around it, you know, like, you know, the energy of the blacksmith, the person that loves the work that they do and is able to get those things done. So the emperor energy, again, is male in tone and has to do with practical application of the details of life. What does one have to do to get from point A to point B? And often in a separate position, it represents the idea that you're doing that, that you're following um, not necessarily instinct as much as the correct course or the correct road to accomplish a task. You're using the practicality of life in a way that is beneficial. In its reverse position, the emperor can indicate stubbornness or obstinacy. Um, sometimes we get, we want something to go a certain way, and it's going to go that way no matter what. Um, that's male energy at its worst, that, that uh, obstinacy, that, that this is how it's going to go, this is the correct way, everyone else is wrong. Um, sometimes we can push up against a brick wall uh, because we want it to work. We want it to happen in that sense. So reverse the emperor card can bring up the idea of a um, an obstinate approach or plans not working out the way we would like them to, delays uh, to plans. You know, and, and sometimes the delay can prove beneficial. We have to remember that. Sometimes if something's blocked, it's blocked for a reason because there's a timing issue. So there can be a wisdom in not continuing to push uh, when something isn't necessarily uh, uh, going the way that we want it to. 
Okay, the fifth card in the uh, Major Arcana cards is a very interesting card. It's the Hierophant. Some things they call this the Priest. Um, this is one of those cards that doesn't really have a negative interpretation, I think, in its reverse position. In its upright position, the High, the, the high Priest um, will, will typically represent the idea of following a traditional course, following a regular road, um, the teacher, the healer, the philosopher, the person that guides and inspires others. Uh, again, energetically, it can represent kind of a traditional way. Or, you know, this a lot of times when people are getting married, this can represent, you know, a traditional approach. We're getting married. Um, we're actually going to go to a preacher. We're going to have a wedding. Uh, it can represent uh, teaching. It can represent, uh, you know, some tried and true things within this world that have their value because they are things that are comfortable in the human psyche. You know, when you meet and, and you have a family dinner at Christmas, that can feel a little bit like Hierophant energy. It, you know, you might be baking cookies, you put up a Christmas tree. There's sometimes, sometimes tradition can really be quite magical. There's times when following the functioning road is the right way to go in that sense. You know, we're not getting into political discourse by any means, but I always think... It's one of the reasons I would say politically I'm somewhat of a moderate because I think that there's wisdom in some elements of conservatism as there is wisdom in some elements of liberal thinking. And there's also cuckoo bird elements in <laughs> conservatism and, and some liberal thinking. That's why you've got to pull a little bit from both. But uh, to me, uh, sometimes the traditional road is a, is a good road. And that's what the, the Hierophant brings up, that part of us that wants to teach, that wants to inspire, that wants to follow a traditional course. In its reverse position, some Tarot books will sometimes come up with some negative meanings to this. I absolutely disagree. I've never found that to be the case. The reverse position of the Hierophant is to take the, take the road of, uh, of, of uh, the alternative thought, the, uh, the, the pushing up against the river, but not in a negative sense, the ability to be creative, to take a different uh, point of view on it. You know, sometimes people get married and then they don't have children, they just have two dogs and two cats. That's a great example of Hierophant Reverse. Sometimes people live together and don't get married. Sometimes teachers, they teach in a different type of a way. They don't follow the normal course. They, they, they're more creative about it. The Hierophant Reverse can represent alternative types of relationships, uh, gay-lesbian relationships. They can represent, um, again, anything that has to do with taking a structure, a traditional structure, and altering it somehow. So again, I don't perceive this as a negative card. Sometimes that, that is the answer, and that's inspiring in its own way. So this is, again, a great example of one of these archetypes that, to me, doesn't really have a negative connotation to it, unless you're bucking the system just for sake of bucking the system. Uh, then in itself, that it could be negative. But it really, for the most part, it's a positive idea of, of blazing a different type of a trail. Okay, card number six, we mentioned this, and then I'm going to open up the phone lines in case anybody wants to make a comment about what we've talked about so far. Um, card number six is a lover's card. Uh, we talked a little bit about this in the beginning of the show. Uh, of course, it represents that idea of correct choice, of correct selection, of harmony, of balance in relationships, the part of us that urges, that has that urge to, to find a mate, to find a partner, to find a friend, to find a companion, to find a compatibility in other human beings, to find the happy mirror in that sense. So the lover's card in its upright position represents the positive elements of relationships, the enjoyment of togetherness, of sharing, 
of, uh, of, of the healthy give and take of energy between two people. Reversed, it indicates fighting and difficulties in relationships. It can indicate an incompatible partnership. It can indicate, uh, you know, uh, making a wrong choice in relationship. It can indicate fighting and bickering uh, in partnerships and relationships. It could be a defiant refusal to allow yourself to partner because you've had bad experiences in the past. Now, sometimes it's a good choice to choose to be single. Don't get me wrong. Well, this is the best thing that you could possibly do. But usually the love's reverse is more of a fear-based response. It's that idea that you're either fighting or you're arguing or you're, you know, you've chosen something that's not doesn't really necessarily work and you might be trying to make it work. Or the opposite, or you're not trying hard enough. But in either case, the love's reverse can indicate imbalances in relationship. Okay, um, these shows go awful fast. I've only got about eight more minutes to go here on my show, but I do want to open up the phone lines in case anybody wants to comment or has a question in relation to the material we're talking about so far. Uh, the phone number here is uh, 646-200-3966. You might have to dial a 1 first. Again, that's 646-200-3966. And uh, if you've got a question or a comment, feel free to call in. If not, you're going to have to listen to me talk for a few minutes. Well, you don't have to. I guess you could shut me off at any <laughs> point. Uh, anyway, so I'll, I'll continue on with these, and if anybody wants to call in, uh, they're welcome to. Okay. Now, we get into the next uh, of the major archetypal symbols, and that is the chariot. Now, number seven, uh, again, some some cards might call this something different. I find most part they tend to use the idea of the chariot the number seven, um, of course, is a very, very, uh, you know, uh, intuitive number and specialization number in that sense. Uh, the chariot is, in its positive position, means mastery. Going to school, the ability to accomplish a task, to put your energy and steer your course clearly, to be able to use a balance between the lower and the higher self, to be able to keep a harmony in us as we achieve a goal, very powerful card in its upright position. It's the ability to decide on a task and to go after it to achieve it by, again, keeping that, that balance, that ability to master, to learn as we go, to become, um, uh, to become successful because of not getting ourselves pulled out of balance by circumstances or situations. Reversed, it could indicate, you know, being scattered, putting too many things on your plate, getting pulled in multiple directions, being too analytical, being too emotional, too much of the higher self, too much of the lower self, um, letting yourself get thrown off course, um, not sticking to something, uh, not being perseverant enough to accomplish a task or a goal, uh, having too many hands in too many different jars, you know, being pulled around by what everyone else may think as well, or getting, you know, uh, confused internally. Okay, let me see. i got a caller here, so I think I'm going to take this call. All right, let's see if we get you on here. 616, you are on Snake Oil Radio today. How are you? Hello there, Jim. It's Barbara, and it's 617. Hey, how are you, Barb? Hey, I'm good. I like this idea of a five-minute free reading. Right, absolutely, yes. Um, <laughs> Fun. Uh, yeah, I always do them on the show. Uh, we, like I said, we do, we got a couple of minutes here, so... Did you have a specific question you wanted to ask? No, I just we got a lot of wonderful things going on, but I also wanted to just make sure things were going to continue in the wonderful vein. So whatever comes up with the cards is good with me. 
All right, let's see what we we can pull out on this. By the way, I am sitting on the front porch enjoying the ocean breeze. Enjoying the what? Ocean breeze. That's very nice, absolutely. Um, Here in Arizona, we're staying inside and away from everything. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) That's okay. This winter, I'll be staying inside. You know, know, it's funny because the... um, you, I, I guess this is information I already know, but it comes up in the cards. They pull two cards, and it comes up two young females. Oh, perfect. What a shocker. She, uh, yeah. <laughs> daughters, right? So I'll just right. Anyone else listening, we'll understand what we're talking about here. So we see um, uh, the fire energy uh, child. Uh, but these, these are completely literal, by the way. The, oh, wow. The, we see good decisions and a lot of enthusiasm and excitement around a fire child, meaning uh-huh. a fire child. Yeah, and the sedge. The little, yeah, the sedge, right. Uh, and mm-hmm. then we see the earth child coming mm. up reversed, suggesting that there's a little bit of stubbornness, there's a little bit of rigidity, or there's, there may even sometimes be, when we see earth reversed, it can be financial issues or, mm-hmm. or things coming up connected with the um, with the earth child in that sense, where they might be struggling a little bit. Um, i got to tell you, the feeling that I'm getting is I don't think that this is bad, Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's that it's just basic struggle of life in that sense. Yeah. Um, is your is um, your your youngest daughter uh, pregnant again? Yes. Oh my gosh, she's going to have a Sagittarius. Very good. Because yeah. um, I I feel like that that's what pops into my head is it feels like there's a pregnancy or something, and that could also there's excitement, but that could cause concern. Well, yeah, she's well, and she's also you know. Um, they're doing great, but they are uh, living close to the. I mean, they. She really has it down to how much you know with money and things like that. They're doing. Both of them are doing great, husband and wife. I mean, and the little boy that she currently has. Right. right. But there is. But is they are towing the line, so to speak. Yeah, you know? I, I, that's why I feel like I feel like it's sort of just that energy of of added strain. In that mm-hmm. sense, that's coming in that might be making nervousness. I mean, earth signs are geared toward wanting to create structural security for themselves yep. and the people around them, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's what I'm kind of feeling. It doesn't feel bad to me. I just feel like there's a little bit of fear coming up around oh, yeah. this. Um, but it, Well, it and like she's also, you know, to me it's like typical young people kind of thing. They're having children. They're having careers. Yeah. You know, they're having this and that. So to me, that's perfectly good news. Right. Absolutely. And and what I'm getting around you is they show the King of Swords reverse, so there's some issue with <laughs> – this is funny, this came up in my spread as well too recently, so I guess here's a little Sagittarian parallel. There's some issue coming up around a male or authority figure who is difficult with communication and expression around somehow. This would not be a young male, though. It would be someone older. Someone well, my who, uncle is – you know, my disabled uncle lives with me, and he God. can't, and he doesn't communicate very well. Yeah, it's you know what I think the, you know, when I always think of with this is funny because this is in my own psyche now too because this came up in my own spread, and I kept thinking about I knew who that this card could represent a few different people around me, but mm-hmm. that kind of not communicating well or being a little bit mad at the world or mm-hmm. irritated because of past things or feeling victimized. Mm-hmm. And I thought, when I looked at it, I thought, the message for me is that I don't want to become that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to become the pissed off, 
you know, person that's mm-hmm. mad at the world and society and and the stupid president and all the, all the other mm-hmm. things that I keep hearing from people too, you know, mm-hmm. that can come up. So there's mm-hmm. some type of energy around that with the people around you to consider now too. Well, they everybody has a problem. I'm the only one that really knows how to communicate with him at, right. at any level, but because of his mental disability, everyone kind of struggles with it, and he has right. had a hard time adjusting to being here. He's starting to like yeah. it more now because we're outside so much. But gotcha. it was a big upheaval for him to move because he has to have his routine. Right. So, yeah, so that's interesting. So you think there's yeah. just more communication that, going on? Yeah, just communication issues, figuring out how to do it and to stay positive and optimistic yeah. and not get caught up in, the, in the, the, that dark energy. Okay, okay. Cool. All right. And, uh, and Michelle's doing good. Oh, thank you, Jim. I love your yeah, show. Yeah, no, no, no problem. Uh, was good. I'm glad you called in. I was glad you got to catch a show. Uh, good talking to you also. Enjoy that fantastic weather. Okay, uh, bye-bye. All right, peace. Bye. All right. Thank you very much, Barb, for that. Calls. good to hear from her as it is from anyone, you know, calling in. And uh, it's a great example of a quick little mini reading that we can do here on air. We'll do more of those next time uh, also, and I'm going to finish the rest of these archetypal symbols. So, uh, again, if you're not already on my mailing list, email me, and all that info is on the website, and you can get the free newsletter each month. And I'll be back here again next Thursday to fill you in on some more of these archetypal symbols. And um, we will uh, we'll continue on with those, and uh, I'll be able to take a few more callers next time as well. So, again, this is Jim Ventura signing out. Thank you for tuning into the show today. Thank you for all my guests who uh, have jumped in live or, again, later on in the archives. Uh, you can catch all the shows that way. And um, we'll catch up with you next week. Have a wonderful week, and happy August. Cheers.